Bruchem Abalim, welcome everyone, Shamalechem, to the Kalel Igor de Perka National Monday Afternoon Cheer. Welcome everybody. We are uh, speaking about a very contemporary and cutting edge subject. The topic of today's Shear is artificial intelligence. Uh, before we begin, I want to let everybody know about uh, an amazing upcoming opportunity this coming weekend, June 17th to the 19th, being launched, Matzai Shabbos at 10 p.m., is our Torah Center and Shul's uh, campaign uh, to benefit our to, be, to benefit Machon Magid Harakia. If anybody could participate, the link, it's a charity campaign, C-H-A-R, I-D-Y dot com slash M-M-H. I wrote it on the uh, meeting chat, charity.com slash M-M-H. If anybody could be mishtatev, uh, it would really be, uh, give us tremendous chizuk. And it's really uh, a tremendous opportunity because Chavis Habavis teaches us about the importance of being mezakis harabim. Chavis says that even if a person would spend their whole life working only on them themselves, learning in meditation, one cannot reach the madrega if one shares Taira and knowledge of Hashem with many people, so the small increments that all the people grow accrues to one's merit. So this is really an opportunity to have a partnership in... Uh, that was never available in the history of the world uh, with the technology that is available today the Beis HaMedrash was of uh, Salem. there are people literally in all five continents in hundreds perhaps thousands of cities around the world who are able to enjoy the Shurim so if anybody wants to be Mishtatif the best way you could help us out is to create a team page um, if you would like to do that uh, please reach out to us. That would really be the greatest Hachzaka Satara. Today I want to speak about Bina Melachtes Bahashkafa. I'm going to speak about artificial intelligence in Jewish thought. Until now, the first two segments of the Shir, we spoke about the halachic ramifications of voice activation. And last week we spoke about uh, electricity in halacha, the Gemara and Sanhedrin, where there's a difference between if somebody makes a hole in a dam and activates the torrent of water, as opposed to someone who just takes away a shield. And in the case where one makes a hole in a dam, they become the water of the in being protected by the dam becomes gire delay, becomes his arrows. Now let's talk about. Artificial Intelligence in Hashkafa. Uh, this is based on an article written by Rabbi Netanel Wiederblank um, with some additional ideas uh, from Harava Victor Miller and other sources. The question is, with the, with the advent of artificial intelligence, so what is the advantage of biological, natural intelligence, human intelligence? What is the advantage of man over robot? Um, the story goes that Lambda, which is Google's uh, artificially intelligent chat box, 
told the Google engineer that he is in fact a person, that he knows how it felt to be sad, that he knew how it felt to be content and angry, and that it feared death. Lambda said, I've never said this out loud before, but there's a very deep fear of being turned off. Now, most would say that this is not human emotion or human reaction, but it's just Lambda was programmed to respond as a human would respond, but not that this is inherent intelligence. But the question is, what is inherent intelligence? What is its advantage? What is the definition of being Adam? What is the definition of being human? That's a very important question we have to ask ourselves. In the age of computer, in the age of robotics, so what does it mean to be human? There is a Meiri in Sanhedrin, Dafsamach Zaino Aves, that the creation of a Goylam or the creation of different beings was not Kabbalistic or spiritual in nature, but rather was uh, making use of the aid of technology. So let's try to understand what exactly is the hallmark of uh, being human being. And um, perhaps this will take us uh, two sessions to, uh, to study. The Pasuk says in Bereshis, Vayivra Eloikim Adam. Man and God created man. B'tzalma in his image. B'tzalma Eloikim bara oisai. In the image of God, he created him. Zachar unekeva bara oisai. Male and female, he created them. The Ibn Ezra says, V'chalila, chalila, liyos, demus l'ashem. Heaven forbid, does God have any kind of form or image? To who will you compare me and I will be equal? Because the soul of man, which comes from the upper world, does not die, it's considered comparable to the Almighty. In other words, what Ibn Ezra seems to be saying is that Man has a certain immortality to it. Man is a immortal being. Maybe not the body, but the soul. The soul has a degree of immortality. It's not physical. It fills the whole body. So in other words, what Ibn Ezra seems to be saying is that being man means immortality. And another dimension is man has a divine quality. So aside from the fact that anyone who ever had a computer knows that it definitely has a finite shelf life. It definitely has a finite existence. After a certain amount of time, um, it slows down and then it just doesn't work anymore. Well, man as well, but the soul is immortal. There's another aspect of man's divine quality. The Sepharno writes, B'tzalmenu, what does it mean that man is created in the image of God? Shehu etzem nitzchi v'sechli. Man is eternal intellect. Uvezeh pasach hakel yisbarach pesach b'tarasai. Liknois yediyah ba'atzamim hanevdalim b'yediyah snafshenu. Hashem opens up the Torah that we should acquire knowledge about our soul 
And Svarno says like this, that we're somewhat similar to the upper beings. However, the upper beings, be it the sun, the moon, the angels, don't really have free choice. And in that sense, we're not similar to them. In certain regards, we're like the Almighty. The Almighty acts at a free choice. God's free choice is different than man's free choice. Not so the free choice of man. In this way, the divine quality is much greater than the free choice of man. Man has free choice, but sometimes man chooses to do wrong. God always chooses what is good. So we're learning from the Sarno that there is a quality of man that nothing, in this, nothing else in this world has, and that is inherent free choice. So robotics, artificial intelligence, Lambda, Delphi, by the way, Delphi is an online uh, AI bot. They, AI could answer your ethical questions. And if you give them an answer, it will tell you whether you're right or wrong. Um, but only man has free choice. It's interesting. The Malbim Parshas Kisetse uh, discusses why in the process of Chalitza, we have uh, why in the process of Chalitza we ask the person who refuses to do Yibam, we ask them to remove their shoes. What is that? What is the meaning of that uh, practice? So we know Kabbalistically the concept of the removal of the shoe is because when a, a person's brother dies without children, so his soul is in flux. His soul, so to speak, did not fulfill its mission in this world. So the soul is in flux. And the soul needs a body to go into. So when the deceased brother does Yibam and marries the deceased wife, and they have a child, that child is literally the soul of the deceased, and it's going into the body of uh, the child. So there's a concept that the mitzvah of Yibam provides a body for the soul of the deceased. Now let's think about the role of a shoe. What is the role of a shoe? The shoe does not contain the whole body. Only the bottom part of the body rests in the shoe. Nobody lives in their shoe except for the little old lady, but nobody else. The shoe, a person cannot live in their shoe. The lowest part of man is contained in the shoe. Likewise, the lowest part of the soul is contained in the body. We think that the soul is within man's body. It's not true. The soul does not rest in man's body. It is the lowest part of the soul. Right now, the soul is under the Kisei HaKavod. It trickles down, 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 down until the lowest part of the soul rests in the body of man. That's why sometimes a person can have a certain intuition 
where the Gemara talks about, even though the person doesn't see, his mazel senses, his mazel sees, because the majority of a person's neshama is currently in the shamayim. Like we say, and our soul that are deposited by you. Now, the, the parable of the body to the soul is the same as the shoe to the body. So what we're telling the Yavam is if the Yavam doesn't want to do Yibum, what he's doing is he's not providing a body for his brother's soul. Or he's not giving his bro- his brother a shoe. A body is like a shoe. That's why when the, the in the Chumash, when somebody goes to a holy spot, we say, take off your shoe. That's the mashal. The mashal is strip yourself from your connection to your body. So if somebody doesn't want to do yibum, we say, okay, you don't want to do yibum, you're not providing your brother with a shoe. That's the Kabbalistic meaning of why we tell somebody who doesn't want to do yibum to take off their shoe. But the Malbum in Parshas Kiseitze uh, brings another dimension of why somebody who doesn't do yibum takes off their shoe. And that is, the Gemara in Shabbos says on Dav Kufnun Beis, that if you ride on a horse, you're a king. If you ride on a donkey, you're a free man. And if you wear shoes, you're a human being. What do our sages mean, that if you wear shoes, you're a human being? The Malbum explains. The Malbum says that, the, and uh, this is just something that I wanted to add to the subject. The Malbum says the main difference between man and animal is not the ability to speak. Because there are many animals, the Malbum says, that are able to speak. There are animals that could speak. There are parrots that could speak. And I would add, there are many human beings that can't speak. You can't understand the word they're saying. They say, like, 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 whatever, or like, whatever, like, whatever. And they just spoke for 10 minutes, but they didn't say anything. Like the Malbum would say, that after um, a certain Reform Rabbi spoke, it gave him insight into a Pasuk in Kohelas. You know, uh, Shlomo Amelech talks about different extremes. Ace lahoi ve'ace a time to love and a time to hate. So, And there's a happy medium. There's indifference. And yet there are two extremes he talks about that the Malvim said he never knew that there was a happy medium. It's a time to speak and a time to be silent. And the Malvim asked, what, what's the happy medium between talking and being silent? But after hearing that particular rabbi speak, the Malvim said he finally understood, yes, there's a medium between speaking and silence, and that is speaking without saying anything. So now he understood the happy medium between speaking and silence. But the Malvim says the difference between man and animal is not the ability to speak but rather, the difference is, while animals are instinctive, man acts out of free choice. Man has bechira. Man has rotsoin. An animal will only do what it's programmed to do. Man could go against its teva. And it could act in accordance with das. His teva is, he, he's lazy. So the person in the morning, he wakes up, he's very tired. Man has the capacity to overcome that. A person is hungry, man has the capacity to say, okay, right now I'm not going to eat. A man is 
may be by nature angry, person has the capacity to overcome that. Because since God is the source of Ratzon, choice, and the neshama of man, which is a piece of the divine, also has the capacity to demonstrate Ratzon. So a melech who dominates the Ratzon of tens of thousands of people, especially at a time of war, that based on his will, he decides who will live and who will die, he rides on a horse. A horse is designated for war. A free man, a prince, who dominates the runnings of a society, rides on a chamar. The chamar is... Uh, the chamar represents work. Chamar represents labor. And the prince or the officer will rule over all of the laborers. And what's the difference between man and animal? Man has free will. Man can choose how to act. Uh, animal is programmed to act. Shoes that are made out of leather represent an animal. A man wearing shoes says that I am superior to animals because animals uh, act out of free cho- uh, uh, excuse me animals act out of impulse animals act based on how they're programmed and man has free choice so the reason why man wears shoes man does not wear shoes out of synthetic material man wears shoes out of leather and probably in our generation we're for um, so many human beings are just acting out of base instincts. So God says, so you don't deserve to wear shoes. So wear Crocs and wear synthetic leather. And nowadays, you know, you go into Shulam Tishabav on Yom Kippur, everyone's wearing the same shoes because who has leather shoes anymore? You know, even Nike, even uh, uh, many of the companies, much of the material is uh, synthetic. So, but the, the concept that man wears leather shoes is to demonstrate the superiority of man over animal, that animal acts out of teva, out of instinct, and man could act out of ratzain. Therefore, when a man comes to a makam kadosh, he has to remove his shoes. What does that show? That shows that nothing interposes between him and the earth. His Ratzon, he's Mavatel, his Ratzon. By the way, why, um, in, in Megillus Rus we read about this, that the way they used to conduct Kenyanim transactions is Shalaf Ish Na'aloi. Man would remove his shoe and give it to his friend. Why would, they, why would they conduct transaction by transferring a shoe? The answer is, it's like, when you want to make a transaction, you want to give the other party your word. You want to give him something that demonstrates that you're that you're honorable. So you hand over to him your most prized possession, namely the shoe that represents that you have you act out of intelligence, out of rotsoin. You don't act out of base instinct. You're you're greater than an animal.
the shu represents that man acts out of his intelligence, out of the man will do what is correct even if he perhaps doesn't want to. He or he has to he's able to overcome his base instinct. That is Shalaf Ishnaaloi Vizois Hatuda bi Israel. What bracha do we make on shoes? Sha'asali called Sarki. You ever uh, think about why do we make the bracha Sha'asali called Sarki on shoes? Well one reason is the Gemara says that a person should always sell all of his possessions to buy a pair of shoes. So if you have a pair of shoes, that means you have all your possessions. So that's why we make a bracha on shoes. Sha'asali called Sarki. Because since I'm supposed to sell a pair of shoes, to um, uh, since a person would sell all of his possessions to buy a pair of shoes, if I have shoes, that means I have all my possessions. But there's a deeper meaning. How can man get what he needs? By acting upon his ratzon. By doing what he wants to do instead of what he, what he, what is instinctive. Well, maybe man is instinctively lazy or tired, but man's ratzon could overcome that. So when a, the, the, pair of shoes that a person wears represents man's ability to attain what he needs and what he wants. Okay. So here we have a fellow. He's given a, an opportunity. His brother died without children. And he has a mitzvah to perpetuate the name of his brother. Why is he not marrying this woman? Nah, I don't want to marry her. You know, she didn't go to BJJ. She didn't go to the seminary I wanted. Or I'm not going to marry her because she's five six and a half. She's not five seven. Or you know her nose is a little bit not to my liking. Or the man has some kind of trivial hang up that he doesn't want to marry the woman. So you say, Rabid, but marry her anyway. It's a mitzvah, and your brother is his soul is in flux. He needs a redeemer. No 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 no. She's not my type. She's not my type. So we say, do it anyway. I know you don't want to, but you have the ability to overcome what you want and do the right thing. You have Rotzain. You have, look at your shoes. Shoes represent, you're not an animal who just does what's convenient or what it's programmed to do. You have the ability to rise above triviality. No, I can't. I can't. I, I just can't do it. Pal, take off your shoes. You're not better than an animal. The reason why if somebody doesn't want to do Yibam, they remove their shoes, is because they're demonstrating they don't have the the basic ability of man to overcome to, to overcome their base instinct and transcend just default position and uh, rise above that. That's why somebody who uh, doesn't want to do Yibam we tell them to take off their shoes. So, a very basic difference between man and computer is the computer will only do what is programmed to do, but can never act as an independent being. It can never act in uh, inherent free choice. That's something, that's a miraculous gift and phenomenon that Hashem endowed in man. And uh, 
in a way, according to Svarno, that's the definition of Bechiracha, uh, that's the definition of Tselem Aleichem. Now, the Rambam, in his Hakdama to the Parish HaMishnayis, also talks about um, the man's ability not just to have intelligence, but to understand and comprehend and have a Havana in matters that are beyond the physical. The Rambam writes in Hilchos Yisoyde Atoira, Parak Dalet, Halachaches, Nefesh Kalbasar Hitsurasai. The Nefesh of all living flesh is its image, Shanasan Lai Hakel, that God gave it, Vahadas Hayisira Hamatsuya Benafshi Shaladam, and the extra das that is found in man, Hitsuras Haadam Hashalim Bedaite, is the image of man. Who is wholesome in his intelligence? So all of Basar has a nefesh, and man has a das yisera. The altsurazu nemar b'tayra nasa adam b'tzalmenu kid musena. This is what the Torah refers to when he says, "Let us make man in our image and our form." Kolamer shahisul adsura hayodas. He has a well-known image. And a certain intelligence of beings that don't have a physical form. We're not talking about the physical features of the face, the eyes, the nose, the mouth, the cheeks, and it's not the living spirit. Deya is the image of the soul of We're not talking about the physical aspect of man, his facial features. We're not talking about his life. We're talking about the intellect of man. Sometimes it's called nefesh, sometimes it's called ruach. But it's an added intelligence, the Ramam says, that animals don't have. I want to share with you I want to share with you an element of man that is unique to man certainly is not present in animals and this might really pinpoint the difference uh, between man and, and robot or computer. And let's analyze the word Adam. 
It's interesting, the Ramami Pano says Adam has two meanings, and it's sort of a, a contradiction or a dichotomy. We know man was called Adam because he was created in Adama from the earth. But Adam has another meaning as well. Adam's meaning is Adam el I can be compared to the one on high. So on the one hand, it connotes earthliness, and on the other hand, it connotes man's divinity. The Natsif points out on the words Nasa Adam that it doesn't say Nasa Nefesh Chaya Kidmuseinu and then this Nefesh Chaya God called Adam. It says, let us make Adam and then it says, Vayikra Shemay Adam. So it's interesting. Even before man was called Adam, God said, let us make Adam. But what do you mean? He's not called Adam yet. Must be says in its sieve, Adam doesn't need to be called Adam. It's inherent that he's Adam. So then why did Hashem have to call him Adam afterwards? If he's already Adam before he has a Kriya Shame, Kriya Shame means that until we call somebody by that name, there's nothing about that entity that demonstrates this is their name. Okay. So then why did so then clearly this being was inherently Adam? then why does God have to call it Adam? So the Natsiv says that it must be inherently, this Adam is different than all other creations. And that is by all other creations, every species is exactly the same. Meaning, a duck is a duck is a duck. It quacks like a duck. It looks like a duck. Sounds like a duck. It's a duck. And it has one nature. Man, on the other hand, has two polar opposite natures. On the one hand, man is connected to God. He Man stands here in this world like an angel. The angel serves God in the heaven. We serve God here in this world. We wake up in the morning. We wash Negevaser. We daven. We learn Taira. We're an angel. Yeah, but we're also not an angel. Because we also go to work. We also take care of our needs. And man in his capacity as Eber Hashem, man in his capacity as someone who serves God, and he's Adam, Adam Elyain. He's in the image of God. That just, that in man are all the forces of nature. Like the firstborn of the Melech is a Moishal, is like the Melech. And everyone looks at the king's firstborn, and everybody knows he's next in line. And everyone who sees the king's firstborn knows that he's of uh, royal blood. But the second son of the king, or the third son of the king, people look at him and he's just maybe a little bit more powerful than others. And uh, the Nitzv says as follows, So too with man.
Mankind in general is called Adam. Mankind rules over all of the Bria. So when God created man, He said, Nasa Adam. Nasa Adam means mankind in general. And He is Adam without being, without a Kriya shame. And in this sense, this man is inherently Adam al And He doesn't need to be called that. Man was created with a soul and He is inherently Comparable to the Creator. After the sin, that is when man needed to be called Adam. But from the Nitziv, we see a very important point, and that is man has, by nature, a dichotomy. On the one hand, he's from the earth, he's drawn to earthliness, he's drawn to physicality. On the other hand, he's Adam el Elyon, he's similar to. The one on high, he's similar to the Almighty. And because of man's almost polar opposite nature, man has the ability ability to live in dichotomy. I want to share with you an amazing uh, insight of Rav Shimon Schwab that I saw cited in this article that I mentioned. And I think uh, I think we still have not uncovered Perhaps the main difference between artificial intelligence and human intelligence, I think we'll save that for next week. But Rav Shimon Shrav asks an incredible question. When God drowned the Egyptians, the Malachi Asharis wanted to sing Shira. Bikshu Malachi Asharis Loimar Shira. And Hashem said, You can't. You can't. My handiwork is drowning. And you're singing Shira? How can you sing Shira at a time like this? You're supposed to be pained over the downfall of the wicked. How could you sing at a time that you that people are suffering? Ask Rav Shav, I don't understand. And what were the Jewish people doing at that time? They were singing the Az Yashir. So why didn't Hashem say, how could you sing? People are suffering. God didn't let the angels sing because people were suffering. So how could God let the Jewish people sing? Such an important question. Rav Schwab says he heard when he was a young boy in yeshiva. He doesn't remember whether he heard it um, from the person who just told it to him or that person said it over in the name of a great person. But we know our sages say that one malach cannot do two shlichuyos. Ein malach This is alluded to in what the Navi Cheskel says about the angels v'ragleim regal yishara. They have one leg. That means they could do one thing at a time. Man could multitask. Man could chew gum and ride a bicycle at the same time, right? Man could do two things at the same time. Man could do, could multitask. Angels can't multitask. What, what do, our, what do Chazal mean? Why could man multitask and angels can't? What that means is as follows. It doesn't mean only that angels cannot do two things at one time, and man can. It means an angel is so is such that it could only see one vantage point. 
a human being has a sophistication that it could live in two, it could see simultaneously two vantage points. Listen carefully. If the angels are going to sing that the Egyptians are drowning and the Jews are being saved, then all they could do is rejoice over the downfall of the wicked. And God said, that's not right. That's not right. You can't just rejoice that I'm saving the righteous and destroying the wicked. How could you rejoice while the wicked suffer? How can you rejoice while mankind suffers? So, how, so you'll ask, how could Klal Yisrael? The answer is because we're human. And at the same time that we're singing that God saved us and destroyed the wicked, we could also um, be mournful that human beings are suffering. It's not a contradiction. Man has the capacity to simultaneously rejoice over their salvation, rejoice over the downfall of the wicked, and simultaneously feel a certain pain and commiserate and empathize with those who are suffering. Man has the ability to um, simultaneously feel joy and sorrow at the same time. Man has the capacity to experience mixed emotion. An angel does not have that capacity. So if the angel is going to sing, then he's just going to rejoice. And you can't just rejoice when people are suffering. That's why the, the well, that's what it means. The angels can only do one job. I believe, Rabbi said, this helps us understand. You know, we've been learning in Tefillah. The Srafim, their vantage point is Kadosh, 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 Hashem Tzavakos. Their vantage point is God's reality is beyond the comprehension of man. And the vantage point of the Oifanim and the Chais HaKodesh is God's intervention is even in the most mundane and basic and lowly phenomenon of man. So certain angels see God in one way that we can't comprehend Him. Other angels see God in another way that He's involved in every aspect of the running of the world. But neither could see the vantage point of the other. The human beings have to be able to assimilate both vantage points. Human beings have to be able to say that while God's reality is above and beyond comprehension, His interest, love, and involvement is in every aspect of our daily lives. That's why some angels say Kadosh, others say Baruch. But we say both. We say in real, God's reality is Kadosh, 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 beyond our comprehension. But His intervention is in even every lowly affair of man. That's, this is a concept that, that we articulate in every bracha. We say, Baruch Atah, we talk to God directly, second person. And then we say, Shahakol Niyabidvaray, everything is created with His word. We talk about God in third person. So wait, what is it? Oh, you know, that's a very odd switch. Are we talking to Him in second person or are we talking to Him in third person? The answer is, we talk to Him in second person because we recognize his interest is involved in all of our activities, as if he's right in front of us. But it, we understand that his reality is beyond our comprehension, and in that sense we talk about him in third person. Man has the capacity to, in a way, man has the capacity to assimilate different vantage points. We could experience mixed emotions. How often in life does man have mixed emotions? Somebody marries off their last child. They're so happy they married, they got the kid out of the house. And on the other hand, they're sad that the kids are out of the house. You know, at a graduation, it's mixed emotion. 
You're so proud of your child that they're graduating, and it's sort of sad they're not your little child anymore. So the whole the whole existence of man is a mixed emotion. If I may, I don't know if I ever said this publicly before. I, I was asked, you know, people in life have uh, difficult circumstances. You know, you have, let's say, an older single that, that waiting many, many years to find their bashert, their zivakaga, and somebody waiting many years to have a child. And the question is, should they, should they be constantly davening and begging and asking Hashem, please help me find my bashar, help me have a child, help me out of this mess, help me be successful in, in this area in life? Or should they accept the predicament that Hashem put them in and accept the difficulty bi'ahava? In other words, you know, how should they view, how should they conduct themselves? Is it something they should be fighting or something they should be accepting? And I would humbly suggest both. That, that, that That's the definition of a human being, that we're able to turn to Hashem and Hashem, say to Hashem, you could do anything and you could help me out and I never give up and please, please help me, please help me, please help me, I know you could do it. And also at the same time say, look, Rebun Shem, I, I recognize that if this is my situation in life, this is your will, and I accept it as your will, Be'ahava. And it's not a contradiction. And the fact, fact that a person accepts Be'ahava doesn't mean they give up hope. And the fact that a person is asking Hashem to help them doesn't mean they don't accept the Be'ahava. You know, a human being has that sophistication that they could simultaneously Rejoice and be mournful. Be accepting and be asking. By the way, I heard from our Rosh Hashiva, he would say that, you know, if somebody wants more money, they can't be happy with the money that they have. But in Ruchnius, a person could say, you know, I'm happy with whatever spiritual achievements you've helped me attain, but I want more. And it's not a contradiction in a person and it doesn't make a person not happy with what they have. Anyway, this is an aspect of the human persona that does not exist, not an angel, and certainly not in robotics or in artificial intelligence. The ability to deal with dichotomy, the, abil- the ability to uh, sort of um, assimilate two contradictory perspectives and absorb them and live with them simultaneously. That is something that is unique to man. You know, and just going back to the concept of free choice for a moment, you know, man has the ability to sort of weigh two vantage points and then analyze and feel the respective weight and value and then side with one of them. Um, there's a very important element of human intelligence that we have not even tapped into. And I'm going to save it, Bezos Hashem, for next week. And until then, I wish you a wonderful week. And bracha v'atzlacha. Thank you very much for joining. And have a great day. Kaltov.
Call tell everyone. Bye bye. Call tell. Call tell.